Turn with me again to our scripture text for today, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, and read along with me. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In a song by the Irish singer Robin Mark, he contemplates the very different pathways that two otherwise similar lives can take. The lyrics tell about him and another man who, as children, used to run and play together in the schoolyard, their futures yet ahead of them and both very promising. But then later in life, while at a train station, he caught sight of his childhood friend, and though he regretted it later, he did not go and speak to him. He couldn't think what he might say because by his friend's appearance, he had obviously led a very difficult life. Then he pondered the pathway that his own life had taken, saying, Grace flows like a mighty river, and one day I just dipped my fingers in, and then your love caught me and dragged me to a deeper place. In the song, he went on to lament that he should have sat his friend down and asked him where it all went wrong for him, but he didn't. He said, perhaps I was a little scared, so I didn't say anything. Each of us perhaps can identify with his dilemma. We see our old friends and classmates and we're able to see from their appearance and from their behaviors that their lives have not been easy for them. At my recent 50th high school reunion, I became acquainted, reacquainted with some of my old classmates. And like the words of Robin Mark's song, In those younger days, our futures were still ahead of us and all very promising. But now, here 50 years later, it seems obvious that some, perhaps many of them, have not done as well as I had thought back then that they would. Yes, some were obviously successful in their vocations, but I confess that I observe very few of them who seem to have much relationship at all with the Lord. Most of them seemed generally indifferent to the things of God and had all the obvious marks of being caught up in what verse 2 here calls the course of this world. As I pondered these things for this message, I wondered if I was being judgmental of my old classmates, if perhaps the wrong kind of pride had seeped into my observations the kind of pride that thinks that I'm doing better than someone else? Am I being like the Pharisee who stood before the Lord and thanked him that he was not like the tax collector standing next to him? I do sincerely hope that that is not the case. But folks, I must tell you, looking back on that crowd and their behavior and lifestyle, I am truly glad to be walking the path and living the lifestyle that God has provided for me and my dear family. 
I have an adorable and trustworthy wife of 43 years. I have a family that loves each other. And the life experiences that I have enjoyed since receiving Christ as my Savior surely have been far better than anything I could ever have imagined or hoped for. Because of all of the sweet, loving grace that God has poured out upon me and upon my family all these many years, I find myself often humbly crying out the words of the song by Chris Christopherson. Why me, Lord? Why me, Lord? What have I ever done to deserve even one of the treasures that I've known? I don't know if Chris Christopherson knew much about the Lord when he wrote those words, but he was sure talking about grace, the very grace that God is telling us about here in Ephesians 2. Listen again, verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Folks, I know without hesitation that grace is the only possible reason for me being where I am today. It had to be, as the words of Robin Mark's song refrained, grace flows like a mighty river. And one day I just dip my fingers in. And your love, Lord, your love caught me and dragged me to a deeper place. That deeper place is a heart, a soul, a mind that has been transformed in a way that only God can transform a person. A transformed life that has been and now is daily so very, very precious and peaceful and full of divine promise for me and my loved ones. And the more I keep my fingers dipped within the flow of God's mighty river of grace, the deeper he then carries my soul into it and the more delightful my life becomes. And the miracle of God's gift of grace is that he will generously give it to anyone who will humble their heart and come to him and just dip their fingers in. May I also at this point quickly add a kind of warning. Should you decide to dip your fingers into God's flow of grace, you must be prepared to live a very different kind of life because His grace will surely take you to places and into experiences where you have not ever been and would have not otherwise gone. A life surrendered to God's grace is a very mystical experience filled with mystery and surprises. Its pathways are unpredictable and sometimes very painful. But to be sure, it is always good, always good. In C.S. Lewis's book, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion and the Witch and the Wardrobe, When Susan learned about Aslan, she asked if Aslan was safe. And Mr. Beaver said to her, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe? 
said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. And that is the special truth, folks, that we must hang on to as God's great flowing river of grace grabs hold of us and carries us down some of those difficult paths that he wants us to follow. And again, sometimes those paths will have within them severe pain, suffering, especially as we look back and consider the place from whence we are coming. Those words in verses 1 through 3 speak about that condition from which you and I are coming out of. Listen to these words again. We are coming from being dead in trespasses and sin. Verse 2, in which you once walked, I once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Folks, you and I can't begin from this kind of wretched condition and expect not to have some suffering to follow us. But again, one thing always remains certain. As God brings his transformation to our soul, we begin to be confident and to trust that he is always good and everything that he does is good. I'm reminded of another place in the Chronicles of Narnia where Cousin Eustace, who's often arrogant and and self-centered, awakens one morning to find himself deep inside a cave. And not knowing what had taken place, he began to try to move forward toward the entrance of the cave, only to discover that a dragon was in the cave with him. But curiously, as he made an effort to sneak around that dragon, each move that he made was matched by the movements of the dragon. After a long while of moving and squirming, Eustace began to realize a frightening truth. The dragon was not just with him. The dragon was him. He eventually mustered the nerve to crawl outside and down to a small stream. And therein, the reflection of the water, his horror was confirmed. He found himself staring into the face of a dragon. He was scared and he was confused. And he began to try to claw that skin from his body. But no matter how much he tried, he could not seem to get that skin off. And even as he would take it off, it would seem to come right back. And after several very painful attempts, he realized that he could do nothing to help himself. C.S. Lewis was so very clever and gifted in conveying the gospel message, this special gospel message within his fanciful stories. 
Eustace's condition was exactly as we read about here in the book of Ephesians. In his rebellion, Eustace had taken on a sinful nature represented by the skin of the dragon. And being overtaken by that nature, his pathway to goodness would, of necessity, be a very painful one. But Aslan, Aslan, the great lion, would help Eustace. And he did. Folks, does not Eustace's plight sound familiar to each one of us? Before God's grace grabbed hold of us and carried us to that deeper place with him, we were dead in our sins and in our trespasses, caught up in all these awful things spoken about here in these words of Ephesians 2. And to be sure, to be sure, try as we may, we cannot fix our sinful condition any more than Eustace could. We can claw all we may, sometimes for an entire lifetime, but no amount of self-effort or of good works, as these scriptures speak of, no amount of self-effort and good works will ever be able to remove the skin of that awful nature from our flesh, that dragon skin. No one, folks, is able to remove even the first scale from that awful nature. Relief and transformation comes only, only through the shed blood of Christ as it's poured out upon us through the blessed grace of God. May I ask you a question, a personal question? Have you lately crawled down to one of God's mysterious streams and looked into the mirror of his word to see what you might look like? I do warn you, the face that you might see staring back at you, just as with Eustace, may horrify and confuse you. Grace has the mysterious ability to reveal everything that resides within us right down to the core of our being. And unfortunately, most all of what we will be able to see is not good. But praise be to God, the Lord Jesus, the great and mighty Lion of Judah, can make all things good for us. He is the one, the only one, who is truly good. And he alone can make you and me good. All we have to do, all we have to do is dip our fingers into his sweet flowing grace and surrender ourselves into his care and he will transform us. That special kind of surrender is expressed for us in these words of Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. May I read those for you? And if you would like, please follow along with me. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Folks, salvation is our entrance into the kingdom of God. And it begins with the first part of the transformation that's spoken about here in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And it is the all-important first step. And that first step does assure us of eternal life with Christ. But please, we must know, we must understand, and we must accept that salvation is only the first step. The first step, because God really does have so much more, so much, much more planned for us. And that much more is expressed for us here in verse 10. In the words, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. But again, again, I must caution us that these good works cannot be done well by us without this transformation spoken about in Romans 12 first taking place. May I read those again for us? And this is our part. This is our part. Christ does everything to save us through his shed blood there on the cross. He saves us, but this now, this is our part. And this is what you and I must submit ourselves to. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, that I, present our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Folks, we must surrender ourselves into God's loving hands and allow him to do this transforming work. But now here also is another caution. Again, transformation is never an easy process. If our surrender is not an all-out surrender, our good works will be severely limited and will be ineffective. Now may I repeat myself again and say, just as with Eustace, we are not able to claw that dragon skin off ourselves. Christ has to do that. But even under his gentle and loving hands, the removal of that skin will still be painful. And yes, we must stand there willingly and bear up to whatever that transformation demands. As these words tell us, we must be a willing sacrifice. And folks, may I point out here that often God uses people and circumstances to bring about this transformation in us that are not at all pleasing to us. God may use people that we don't really like, that we believe are mistreating us and are enemies to us. But we have to understand that that's sometimes the way God works. And what he wants you and me to do is to stand there willingly, and bear up to whatever that transformation demands. 
a willing sacrifice. And then thankfully, thankfully, as with all good and appropriate surgery, the end results will be far better than the condition from whence we have come. God describes his transforming surgery for us very well in Ezekiel chapter 36. There he tells us, beginning in verse 26, he says to us, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh, one that I can mold and work with, one that will listen to me and will open up to me. I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Folks, God wants to do it all in us. He saves us through the blood of Christ and then he puts a new heart in us and a new spirit and he puts his spirit and then he moves us by the unction of his Holy Spirit to do that which is pleasing in his sight, molding, transforming us into that new creature that he desires us to be. Folks, again, he does not and will not ever simply fix up the old. The old creature must die. We must be crucified with Christ and we must become a new creature. And it's only as a completely new creature, that we are then able to do really good works. Just as God is good, his promise to us that he will always make us good will always take place in our lives. And it's then and only then will we be able to do good works, the good works that he wants us to do. And I hope to continue to talk about those good works next week. But for now, may we close with these words. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, not of your works, lest anyone should boast. And so I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. May we pray.